G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. The Road to Recovery from Sexual Abuse. Now, this doesn't affect everybody, but there are a lot of people who are affected, who carry the scars of sexual abuse through their lives, and you'll be intensely interested in this conversation. Back in 2014, one victim of childhood sexual abuse gave evidence at the Royal Commission into Child Abuse. After having given evidence, the then leader of the Salvation Army, James Condon, offered an apology, and that became something of a trigger for healing and reconciliation. That victim was Mark Stiles who went on to tell of his healing and reconciliation at the National Day of Prayer and Fasting and Repentance, the repentance service that was held in Canberra back in 2015. Now, some filming of a documentary at the time later developed into the presentation of the stories of nine survivors of sexual abuse called Humble Hope. So we'll talk about Humble Hope today, but also the stories of survival of sex abuse. Mark Stiles is with us. A special hello to you, Mark. G'day, Neil. How are you doing? I'm very well. Uh, Also, a welcome uh, to Ian Cook, who is the director of Humble Hope and a filmmaker. Hello, Ian. Good morning. How are you today? Very well. And Naomi Drew is the president of Teal Sock Day, and uh, Teal Sock Day all about awareness uh, for sexual violence, sexual abuse. Uh, Special welcome to you, Naomi. Thank you. Let's get our conversation underway. Uh, Let me first of all come to you, Mark, as the one who was like the trigger for what happened. Uh, You've been on a journey of recovery from your sexual abuse, and I wonder uh, if, in a nutshell, uh, you might like to just tell us your story uh, to get us underway in our conversation. Uh, Absolutely, Neil. Um, I uh, grew up in a, uh, for a period of time, in a church uh, boys' home where abuse was, was rampant and rife. Uh, life unfolded for me as it did, um, and we've talked about that before here on your show and also last week with Robbo. Um, and uh, you, you go through life very damaged, very hurt. You wander through life not, and with no trust, etc. cetera. Uh, five years ago, five and a half years ago, I had a meeting with, with God the Father. He spoke to me, and he started to heal my heart. So we... Uh, were asked to go to the Royal Commission, which we did, and we gave evidence there. I did. Um, and then um, James Condon asked me to come to the uh, National Day of Prayer and Fasting in Canberra, which we did. And I spoke there about the the healing for me. And for me, it was learning to forgive. So that learning, that forgiveness then started to expose my heart to be able to be loved. Okay, so we did that. And then out of that, I met uh, Ian Cook. And um, as you were quite correct, the documentary Humble Hope started to unfold out of the Repentance Day and out of nine other survivors who have all had a similar journey but from different aspects of child sex abuse. Uh, And um, Ian's here today and he very delicately and very wonderfully put that together. 
Ian, if we just uh, mention your documentary for a moment, uh, it's an award-winning documentary, a number of awards that you've been very successful in, uh, in claiming, in winning, in having that recognition. Uh, when you reflect on the documentary Humble Hope, uh, how do you feel it's going? Is it getting broad, wide acceptance? I, I believe so. Um, my heart is really to see people's lives changed. I, I want people... My heart with the film has always been to help people understand how a survivor feels and also to honour the survivors because without them, nothing is possible. This film would not have happened if I didn't have these incredible survivors who shared their story and bared their lives on camera. Yes, we've had some success, but I, I, if, if I may, it's a little... I got an email from LA, Los Angeles, um, on a Monday to say that we'd won a Hollywood Independent Documentary Award I was sitting on the Thursday with a friend of mine who has suffered from trauma in the past. And at the end of watching, we watched Humble Hope together. At the end of the film, he was in tears. And he just said, thank you. Now that put it completely in perspective to me because that moment was much more powerful than ever winning an award. The award is recognition, but the lives changed is critical. If you're describing your documentary Humble Hope and saying this is the thread that runs through all of these testimonies, all of these stories of people who are survivors, what would that thread be? Is there a particular thing that they have in common? Well, yes, they've, they've all found healing through a relationship with Christ, not always through the church, but through Christ. Um, they've all found God and found healing through him. And I always, I always like to say that they're thriving, not surviving. And that's been the big difference. I've, I've researched this a lot over the last two years. I've been involved. We've talked to, we have six or seven experts in the film talking about this issue and talking about aspects of what happens to a, a survivor, how they feel, what are the physical, the mental, the spiritual effects. Um, the per- we interviewed a perpetrator and got his side of the story. But the one thing that stands out is they're all thriving because they found a healing and it's through a spiritual journey. Naomi Drew, as president of Teal Sock Day, now Teal Sock Day came out of uh, what's happened with Humble Hope, uh, the DVD. No, no, it's, uh, no. You better give us uh, you better give us the insights on uh, on the history of Teal Sock Day. I, I'm actually a, a child sex abuse victim myself, and um, I, a few years ago, actually decided um, to help my sister, who is also, we're both um, from the same perpetrator, and um, she decided she wanted to go to court and um, help protect other children because we found out that he was still working with children. And I said that I would stand up with her and share my story as well. And I, I never, I never thought that um, what happened to me was worthy of mentioning. Um, I never thought that um, anyone would believe me. And my healing actually started thanks to her from that moment when I first sat down and, and you know, the, the police officer took my statement and I said, look, I'm just here to help my sister. And, and the police officer said, no, you have a court case all into yourself. You, we're going to prosecute him for you and hers is a different court case and we're just going to combine them together. And so that took actually two years to go through that whole process and um, out of that 
I wanted to help the charity organisations that have helped me and I wanted to give back a little bit to, the, you know, to, to children and, and, and raise awareness. And from that, um, we ended up creating a, a charity organisation called Teal Sock Day, which um, is a funnel to help lots of charity organisations that want, that have programs available for kids that, um, that I, I have been through domestic and sexual violence and from Teal Stock Day, I actually met these guys. So it's it's been a reverse cycle. <laughs> That's so exciting to hear. And, you know, when we hear about red noses and white ribbons and, uh, you know, there's lots of different ways that we can draw attention to special issues. Mm. Uh, you've chosen the Teal Sock Day. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, do you sell the Teal Socks? We there, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, .org is, um You can find out how to um, – actually, we've got crowdfunding going there, so that you can also support different charity organisations as well through us and you can buy your teal socks. <laughs> and now, I, I was blessed yesterday to receive a pair of teal socks. So <laughs> that was very exciting. Well, the interesting thing with teal socks is uh, that I know what I'm like. I've got socks in my drawer and, yep. uh, and I'll wear the same socks each week or at least as often as they're, they're clean. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the idea of the teal sock, I guess, is that it's not just teal sock day once a year, but once you've got a pair of teal socks, you're going to be wearing them every week and it's just going to be drawing attention to the cause. I've got my teal socks on. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Mark, and this came from, and let me just come back to your story, your testimony. It came from your courage to be able to speak up and uh, you wanted people to hear your story. You didn't want to be holding those things as though uh, that shame and that guilt and those sorts of things that accompany uh, sexual abuse. You wanted to be open about all of those things. And, and healing has come to so many others as a result of your bravery in speaking up. Do you encourage people whenever you come across uh, survivors of sexual abuse uh, to be as open and as courageous to speak up as you've been? We've all got an individual walk, Neil. For me, um, uh, I believe that I'm called for this. I believe that the Father has called me for this and I won't back down from it. And I've always grown a bit of... People that know me know I'm a bit of a stubborn fellow. Um, but I encourage people to find healing and I encourage people to find, first of all, forgiveness. Um, and I talk about this at every opportunity because it's a conversation that still seems to be in the shadows in our society today. Um, and I'd like to think that I'm, I'll champion a little bit of that forward and have us all talking about our babies, talking about our children, not only our past sins, of which there are many, but also today's, um, how our children are growing up today. What are we doing to our babies today? I've got 10 grandchildren myself, you know, and, and I weep for them. You know, my kids are great kids, but I still look at the world they're growing up in, you know, and um, uh, I encourage people everywhere I go that um, if you've, if you've been down this path, and a lot of people have, we're, we're sort of estimating 5 million people in this country alone have been abused of some description or another in some format or another, and that's a lot. That's 25%-ish of our population, Neil, and my attitude to that is that they need to find forgiveness. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision Christian Radio. 
Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about the road to recovery from sexual abuse today and our three guests, Mark Stiles, who triggered some amazing things, telling his story of childhood sexual abuse Uh, He's the survivor that triggered what became a DVD, now an award-winning DVD, called Humble Hope. Ian Cook, the director of that DVD, is in the studio with us, as well as Naomi Drew, who's president of Teal Sock Day. There is a website for Teal Sock Day. It's tealsockday.org. And if you are struggling with some issues when it comes to sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, uh, there'll be some links and some opportunity for you to uh, get a new direction and perhaps to find a way to healing and recovery via tealsockday.org. We're talking through issues to do with childhood sexual abuse. Uh, Mark, if I come back to you, and you mentioned that you had an encounter with God Uh, And that was a trigger for healing and recovery for you. I know that healing and recovery uh, doesn't always happen 100%. You're going to carry scars with you for the rest of your life. How do you describe what it feels like to having had this encounter with Christ, uh, an encounter with God that triggers some level of healing and recovery compared to what you were before you had that encounter? How do you describe that? Uh, prior to the encounter, Neil, you abuse victims struggle with trust and we struggle with love and being loved. You know, uh, self-esteem issues are very, very, um, very, very highlighted in, uh, in abuse victims. For me, when I heard the voice of, of God speak to me and tell me that Jesus was alive, I, um, I, I broke down into tears and, and there was a, a softening that started to begin with my heart. So... Uh, the next day I was still the same person as I was the day before, but I'd, I'd been touched, you know. Um, and the father started, as, as I started to explore my relationship with God, reading his word and sitting in my lounge room at home, yelling at God, saying, where were you? What were you doing? Father God, this happened to me. If you're real, then why did this happen? I heard your voice and, and all those questions and all that doubt. But what I was actually doing was building a relationship with God the Father because it was interacting. I was talking to him. And before, as I wouldn't, I would, I would swear and scream and carry on like a two-bob watch. A lot of people might think, well, you know, you shouldn't get angry with God. Uh, you shouldn't have doubts. But those, as you say, are actually relationship building because you are, in fact, what some people might describe as getting real with God, actually letting your heart overflow with all of the toxic build up over many years Uh, how important is it if you are a person and you you're looking for some level of healing to actually get to a point where you just do outpour your heart to god um it's the most vital thing you can do god says very clearly in his word i will become your father and you will become my son i grew up fatherless so i never knew what a dad was anyway so all of a sudden i had this voice that told me that jesus was alive that god was dad so i challenged god you know I'd say, if you're real, now at that time I wasn't one of his. I hadn't said come into my heart. But I, we had this, God and I had this, this thing going on, this argument, this discussion, this, this, as you say, this toxic thing that was around my life for 53 years. All of a sudden, God was squeezing that pimple, that zit, that, that thing. All of this toxicity was starting to come out of my body because I didn't grow up a very nice way or a nice person. You know, so... Um, he was reshaping my psyche. He was reshaping my character. He was reshaping who I was. Um, and he was starting to turn me 
into that thing where he says in Ezekiel, he says, I'll reach and I'll take out that heart of stone that you've got and I'll replace it with a heart of flesh and on that flesh I'll write my word. We're taking calls on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Let's hear from Audrey in Western Australia. Hello, Audrey. Welcome along to twenty twenty. Yes, thank you, Neil. Um, I don't know how I'll go because I told my big long story <laughs> to John on on the um, phone. John, they... uh, John answers our phones before yes. you get to be on the air, and uh, and yes. I tell you, he gets a lot of great stories, and yeah, uh, I appreciate I his great work. I uh, thought maybe it was recorded and then passed on, but anyway, no, we're I'll live watch... on the air. So, uh, what? Tell us your story, then, Audrey. Um, well, I always loved. God, um, I, you know, through my life, I, I just had this great love for God and great love for music. And I, I really pestered to learn the piano. Um, I was doing brilliantly and then something awful happened. I, I had an awful feeling about this person, the music teacher, and... Um, I was I was molested. I did take it to mum, and it was it, the only way mum dealt with it was I lost my music lessons went out the window, so my brilliant ability was cut off. It was um, you know I was I was about eleven, and um, much later on I had a very strong calling for the Lord. And although I, I loved God, I hadn't really been guided that way. Um, so I, I made a huge positive step with with the Lord Jesus. And um, it was only just in that timing, probably within two weeks, I heard that 200 other um, girls had uh, been affected by, you know, I'm, I'm finding it hard to say the words, but by molestation. Yeah. One perpetrator and, causes an enormous amount of damage to yeah. so, so many. Audrey, uh, let me invite Naomi Drew, who's the president of Teal Sock Day, into our uh-huh. conversation. Naomi, you've heard this sort of story before. What are your thoughts for Audrey? I, I, w- I was just going to finish on what occurred with this. Uh, yep, yep, sure. Yep, just very yes. quickly, Audrey. Yeah, just quickly. I, I went round and saw him and said, I forgive you, mm. but I don't condone what you've done. Yeah. And um, two weeks later, he committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. And I carried that as a young young woman for a long, long, long time. I felt it was because I testified to him. Mm. I said more than that, but time here is precious for you. But I do know that what people do to you is not who you are. I know that now, but I didn't know then. Mm. That's a really important point is, for me, when I went through the court case, it was hard for me because I, I didn't want to have bitterness towards my perpetrator. Um, I, I wasn't doing it for the fact that um, I wanted him in jail. I just wanted to protect other children. And it was important for me to actually forgive him so that I wasn't hurting anymore. Mm-hmm. Because when when you can't 
when you can't let go of that pain, and, and it is a very, very difficult process, you know, and, and it's not a lot of people can't do it. And, and my, um, my encouragement is for you to, to ask God to help you to forgive him yeah. for what he did so that you can be free of that pain. Yeah. I did tell him that I forgave him. I actually went face to face. I visited him and I said, look, I've, I've come to know the Lord Jesus and I've come to say, I forgive. I forgive That's you, beautiful. but I do not condone what you've done. However, I do feel like there was this great, uh, being so young and mm. innocent, yeah. it, it, it might have, if I told people what happened, it might seem small to them, but it was huge to me. Yeah. And that, I think, in turn, because because of the pain and the hurt within me and not feeling whole, yep. people pick up on that. I then had other worse things happen to me, mm. much worse. And well, I, and Audrey, you know, there will be a long story to tell, and we yeah. won't have time to hear it all today. Absolutely. But I just want to say uh, thank you very much for your courage uh, to pick up the phone and give us a call and to tell us your story. And I really, really do appreciate you taking time to uh, to share that with us today here on 2020. That's Audrey from Western Australia. Well, we're going to news in just a few moments and continuing our conversation after the news. You might like to join it. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Three guests in the studio with me. Mark Stiles, a sex abuse survivor who triggered some amazing things. The Humble Hope DVD. We have the director of Humble Hope, Ian Cook, in the studio with us, as well as Naomi Drew, the president of Teal Sock Day. And you can be part of our conversation. We're continuing after news. Mark Stiles, that sex abuse survivor, is with us. So is Ian Cook, the director of Humble Hope. That's the film documentary that began at that particular hearing. And Naomi Drew is also with us. She's president of Teal Sock Day. Before we take some more calls, and uh, let me encourage, if you've got a story to tell or a question to ask... (laughs) 1-800-316-316 is our number. Let's come to Ian Cook uh, very quickly. Ian, uh, you are the director of the Humble Hope uh, DVD film. It's a documentary. There is a special plan for this film. Next year, you're planning a national tour, getting people all around the the viewing of this film and uh, really opening up the opportunity for people to hear about and to talk about sexual abuse. Uh, Tell us about the film tour next year. Okay, well, we've just been doing some pre-screenings in the last little while and we're building awareness at the moment for this tour next year. Um, We want to tour this around Australia. We want as many people to see this film and and open up the conversation of sexual abuse and how you can find healing, how you can find a way through. Um, I I did a, a screening, particular screening in Perth on Friday and I had one lady came up to me afterwards that every church in Australia needs to have this film. Every church. That's what her, not my comments, her comments. I had another survivor said, thank you for sharing my story. And even though she wasn't in the film, thank you for being so careful with that. Um, We want to have a tour that's 100% purely focused on the issue of sexual abuse to go around to open conversation and start um, pushing conversation out there so that we can actually have more impact through media, through whatever, um, obviously, we need to raise funds to do that too, but 
but basically, you know, I just want to get awareness out there, people to know that we want to do this. We we want to um, people to come along and, and get behind this because you know this is a conversation that needs to be had. That's how this film started. You know, after the after the sorry, very quickly, but after the National Day of Prayer and Fasting, we, I I had a conversation and we just said we have to make this is not enough. We need to do a, a full film on this issue it's such an important issue one in four women one in six men under the age of 18 have been abused in the family let alone in in the in institutions now that's not that's conservative as far as i understand it there's no definite figures i imagine that you'll be developing an itinerary uh, for your tour next year is it too late for people who are in communities that might be listening into our conversation today to be able to, you know, get on the phone or send an email to Ian Cook at Humble Hope uh, to be able to uh, get you to come and visit their church. Is if that you, is something you can you if, can do? If you send in, uh, I think it's info at humblehope.org.au or go onto the website, you can contact us. Yes, we're, we're looking for venues across Australia that we're just at the moment it's just being planned to put together. Um, it's it's still. No, it's yes, still coming absolutely. together. There's still opportunity, time to and and the more, to be quite honest, you know, the more people that we that, that see this thing, the more we we have involvement from local communities, the more people that can be um, touched through this. But also, my other thing is to help people understand how a survivor feels. The film is very much about honouring survivors and helping people who may never have been abused actually understand how a survivor feels. Yep. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. It's an anonymous caller. Hello. Welcome along to 2020. Are you with us? We might have lost our caller. Uh, you might like to call us back, 1-800-316-316, recognising that it takes a bit of courage to actually contribute to a conversation like this today, especially if this is a story that is very close to your own heart. Uh, 1-800-316-316 to participate. Just before we went to news, we had a caller who raised a whole lot of issues. We didn't get time to talk about all of those. Uh, one of those things that our caller before the news, uh, Audrey, did was she went to the perpetrator and she expressed her forgiveness to the perpetrator and uh, she shared something very significant. She said two weeks later, the perpetrator committed suicide. Uh, let's come to you, Mark Stiles. Is this something that happens uh, regularly? Uh, people who are perpetrators of child sexual abuse uh, they are also uh, gripped with this dreadful uh, idea of, of contemplating suicide because this is something that's very typical for someone who is a survivor of uh, sexual abuse, but it's also the perpetrator. It's like no one wins with sexual abuse. Very true, Neil. One of the um, uh, counsellors on the documentary makes a statement about perpetrators. They weren't born that way, and that's very, very true. Circumstantially, um, through life, um, spiritually, their upbringing, any, matter, any, any number of those negativities that can happen to a baby today or a child um, can create a perpetrator. Um, I've not met a lot of perpetrators, but my experience has been, and many years ago I actually worked in this area too, um, in, a, in a law enforcement environment, um, my experience has been perpetrators fit into two categories. One is 
they're absolutely right and nothing you can do will ever change their mind. Okay, it's their right to do these things. Okay, I've met those sorts of people. The other category I've met is those like the like the fellow that committed suicide after Audrey went and spoke to him. Um, I would say he would have been racked with guilt. And, you know, there was quite a lot of people in his uh, repertoire, if you will, of, of crime. So I think that that's, that's um, a byproduct of, 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 of entering into that sort of thing. Um, Audrey need not feel any kind of way about that except sorry for him and a loss of a soul potentially. However, um, I've always found that perpetrators have fitted the two categories, either, nope, I can do what I like, or um, th- this deep sorrow as they continue to sin and then one day they stop. Naomi, as we talk about perpetrators, we talk about victims, I'm assuming that most victims of childhood sexual abuse probably don't feel a lot of sympathy for perpetrators those that realise that they've done enormous damage to young lives. Is this something that you've come across, this, this idea that, uh, that, you know, that, well, there are people who are suiciding, they've been perpetrators, they've been found out, they've been confronted. Uh, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of sympathy for them? It is definitely really difficult to have sympathy for that. And I, I know myself, I have probably a slightly different perspective because I... I'm a very compassionate person. I, I've always seen and I, I felt like I've understood why people do what they do. Never, um, definitely don't condone what they do, but can understand and see the history of why they do what they do. Um, but I've certainly, since becoming president of Teal Stock Day, I've talked to a, a huge amount of people that have been affected by domestic and sexual violence and um, the the pain and the hurt that, um, comes across and, and not wanting to or even like wanting to think about what the perpetrator is thinking or why they're doing what they're doing. They just want them to stop and just want them to go away and want them to have um, mm. reckon, uh, you know, be brought to justice. Mm. And Ian Cook, in your research that you've done for your Humble Hope DVD, you mentioned that you actually interviewed a perpetrator for your DVD, uh, how did that perpetrator reflect on their own actions and perhaps on the actions of others who've been involved in childhood sexual abuse? Um, We understand, and again, there's no definitive figures, but around about 90% of perpetrators have been abused domestically, not necessarily sexually, as children. Um, So they haven't had a good start in life. Now, I don't defend them in any way, shape or form because they've done some heinous things. They've done some very wrong things. But as Mark had said, they're born born just like any one of us. They have the breath of God in them. So I think we we need to at least give them a chance. Um, The perpetrator we interviewed was a beautiful man. He, He understands what he's done. He had a lot of remorse for what he'd done. He was abused by teenagers, uh, by as a teenager, by two women, and that's where his abuse came in when he abused his granddaughters. Now, <coughs> excuse me, um, he was he he said a number of things. I wanted them to understand. I wanted him to say this, and most importantly, what a perpetrator needs to do to put things right. It's not just saying sorry, but it says as. Sally says, I'm sorry, I acknowledge what I've done and I take responsibility for that. In, and I'm quite in those words, but I actually, taking responsibility and, and not, not just saying sorry, anybody can say sorry, 
but actually meaning it as well and taking responsibility for what has happened. Mm. And happily, it's only a very small percentage that, as, as we talked about, that that happens to. Let me ask a, a tough question here, and I'll come back to you, Mark Stiles. Uh, when we heard uh, Audrey's story in confronting the perpetrator, is there a special way that if you are a victim of childhood sexual abuse that you ought to very cautiously approach that perpetrator because so much, as we've heard, can go wrong on every side. Is there, a, is there any sort of a recipe or any sort of special protocol, something you have to know as you confront a perpetrator of childhood sexual abuse? Uh, Neil, you might have to ask me that question again maybe uh, early to mid-next year because I'll be doing just that in Sydney. Wow. Um, so uh, the guy that perpetrated against me has been arrested in Sydney and I've been called to court. So I'll be in court next year. Um, for me and, and you know, uh, my heart, I forgive this person un- unequivocally, okay? But that's me and that's me freeing me, and that's me being obedient to the Father, okay? Because he says very clearly, if I don't forgive, he can't forgive me. So I forgive, all right? But Romans 13 is also very clear. If, if you don't upset the law of the land, it won't come looking for you. I'm giving the, the abridged version now. Time is, time's running away. Um, but, you know, that's, that's um, between him and the court system now. But I will be called to give an account, and I'm going to give an account, a very honest account, I don't believe there to be a recipe for should someone go and approach a, a, a perpetrator simply because was there violence involved? Is this person violent? Is he on drugs, weapons? All those sorts of things would come to mind. I'd take a lot of um, a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, advice before I would say anything like that. Naomi Drew, the president of Teal Sock Day, it's an interesting contrast, isn't it? Because I'm sure that people <laughs> react differently if it's a school teacher or someone even from a church group. But if it's your own family, if it's a father, if it's an uncle, if it's someone close to you, it's, it's, it, it's more complicated, isn't it? Yeah, I actually... Um, as, um my perpetrator actually came and asked for forgiveness from me when I was roughly around 21. And um, I still remember sitting in that cafe and him saying sorry for the way he behaved towards me. And I was sitting there, I was I was just completely blank. And I, I just, I remember thinking to myself, why, why are you actually asking for forgiveness from me? Like, I, I just, I felt like I just didn't want him to be around me. I didn't want to see him. Um, and, and then like, as the, as the coffee, you know, started dying down and, and, and he was coming to a close at the end of it, he asked if he wanted to go for a motorbike ride. And I thought to myself, well, that, that completely, you know, dismissed the whole apology because it was, it was like trying to then go, you know, towards, you know, one of the incidents that happened in the first place. And it was, it was such a, Ah, oh, yuck moment. <laughs> in a lot of ways, he was, I'm guessing, manipulating the whole situation for his own benefits, and perpetrators are very, very good at that. Yeah. They're very um, good manipulators. Like an alleviation of guilt for a mm. moment, yeah. uh, but then there's this return of of another uh, another opportunity, another uh, predatory opportunity. Mm. Yep. Can, I, can I just add to that as well that um, I think it's really important that people understand that forg- a, a survivor forgiving a perpetrator is not to, is not about the perpetrator. It's about the survivor mm. themselves. Mm. And it's about freeing them from the pain and the suffering and releasing that. And that doesn't happen overnight. That One thing we found in the film that 
talk, talking to these different experts and these survivors, it, it, it can take years. You, you can't forgive until you're at a point in your healing that you're prepared to forgive. Mm. And forgiving a perpetrator is really to release you from that attachment as a, as a survivor. It's got nothing to do with the perpetrator in actual mm. fact. True. But it's true. releasing the survivor yeah. from that attachment that the perpetrator and that control that that perpetrator has over them. And I think that's really, really important for people to understand. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking about a recovery from childhood sexual abuse and uh, just to note that there's been a number of callers who've called in saying, we don't have internet, we want a telephone number. So we're going to give a telephone number uh, in just a short while as to how you can make contact with our guests today. Mark Stiles is with us. He's a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Ian Cook, the director of Humble Hope. Naomi Drew, the president of Teal Sock Day. Time is running short, but we've got time to take another call. Let's hear from Tricia in WA. Hello, Tricia. Welcome along. Thanks, Neil. Tricia, what are your thoughts on our conversation today? Well, I'm so glad that you've um, are making this available because I know there's a lot of people out there that have um, never spoken about it and they're holding it in. And, and I just want to let them know that, you know, um, if you can talk about it, talk about it. But there is a recovery. I was um, abused as a little girl. Um, t- I was two and my sister was four. And it was before that, um, when we were much younger. But we were taken into um, care by our grandparents. But what happened with, with my dad and his brothers and his friends, we were social little handabouts. Um, I found out a lot of things which shocked me. But um, we've been abused, uh, I think, for quite a few years until my grandfather realised. And then um, it actually happened when my mother left because she couldn't cope. So my grandfather... Um, took us in and um, I used to bang my head on the floor I wouldn't a brick wall a brick floor all the time and they were really quite worried but I understand now where that was was my frustration that I couldn't tell anybody Um, what happened when I was about eight I suddenly realized hang on a minute I'm going to be the best I can best mother best wife best worker best everything I I remember that day because as, as I was we used to get not just sexually abused but beaten and the whole thing, the physical, sexual and um, mental. And I was beating up my doll at the time, but I was going to be the best mother, the best wife, the best uh, at my work, best at everything. And I did. I do a hundred, As I grew up, I did 110% at school. I did 110% at my work because I knew I could be the best I could ever be. And that was in me. Um, there's still times when I shudder and get horrified with the smell of beer. I hate it. There's also older men, unfortunately, with grey hair, grey hairy chests. I feel repulsed, like vomiting. But I get over it because I know. And, um, yeah, and I'm happy. And I'm, I met Jesus when I was about... I went to Sunday school, as I was telling John, but I didn't know that God and... Jesus were related until I went to another church and, and uh, yeah, I, I realised that God wasn't just thunder and brimstone and fire and punishment. And then I met Jesus through um, another church and um, I was just telling John that when even when I went on a ladies' camp one day, they said to us, now ladies, because it's about um, being hurt, ladies, just imagine that Jesus is 
got his father and he's sitting on his chair here, he's throwing, and he's got you on his knee. Well, I freaked out. I just freaked out because I met a man, um, a friend of my dad, who said to me, when you were a little girl, you were such a beautiful little thing and used to sit on my knee. Well, I know this man was one of the many um, parties that Dad... Tricia, we're running out of time and uh, I just want to say thank you so much for calling in and sharing your story. There's so much to pick up on from your story and we won't have time to talk through all of those things. Mm. But uh, I just want to appreciate you, I want to honour you and uh, thank you so much for expressing uh, your story to have the courage to actually call us today and uh, and to contribute to our conversation because uh, those sorts of things uh, you know being on the knee of uh, of a man and uh, the whole grey hair thing and the fears and the frustrations yeah. that you've felt thank you so much for bringing those things out in our conversation on 2020 today we are running short of time uh, perhaps a very quick response uh, uh, Naomi your thoughts just very quickly for Tricia. Yeah, I, I, again, I honour you for, for speaking up and, and that's what we want to do here today is, is encourage people to start talking about these issues, you know, around the table and with people and friends and family so that it's not a hidden um, message anymore and, and that people can feel like that they um, have the strength to say this is not right and stand up. And so thank you so much for doing that today. Thank you, Tricia. And we are running out of time. And in these last few moments, let me give some way forward. If you are thinking, I need to talk to someone more deeply about this, there's a number of places that you can contact. Let me just give a list and I'll ask our guests very quickly for which one they recommend. Uh, There's the 1-800-RESPECT line. That's a 24-7 telephone and online crisis counselling information and referral service. There's also an organisation called Blue Knot Foundation. Uh, It's a national professional phone counselling service called Blue Knot. There's also Brave Hearts. Uh, Many of us will be familiar with that. Uh, Brave Hearts often at times on television. There's another one called Child Wise. Now, there are telephone numbers for each of those. Uh, Let me just ask you, uh, Mark Stiles, we haven't got a lot of time, but uh, is there a favourite one that uh, you recommend people to uh, to help go through some of these issues? Anyone that can um, that can help you, but I like Brave Hearts and I like Blue Knot, um, so I'd be on the phone to either of those. And for those who were looking for a telephone number, here's the phone number for Blue Knot Foundation. It's one three hundred six five seven three eight zero one three hundred six five seven three eight zero. If you want to be in touch with Brave Hearts, that's one eight hundred two seven two. Eight three one. I'll give you the Childwise phone number while we're here. It's one eight hundred nine nine one zero double nine. Well, that's drawn us to the close of our conversation. Thanks to all those who called in, and uh, there was another caller waiting on the line. We won't be able to take your call. Thank you so much to that caller who called through. But to Mark Stiles, to Ian Cook, Director of Humble Hope, you can simply Google Humble Hope, find out about that tour next year. Have the Humble Hope DVD shown in your local church. And also to Naomi Drew, who's the president of Teal Sock Day. Uh, Naomi, all the best with a wonderful idea and just drawing attention to all of that. Uh, Mark, Ian, Naomi, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Bless you. It's been great to be here. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.